Once again, that was Matteo Capasso on the relevance of Palestine's struggle for oppressed people worldwide. That will do it for us here today on Breakthrough Radio. Don't forget you can find everything you heard here today on our YouTube page, Breakthrough News, and all of our content on our website, BreakthroughNews.org. For Breakthrough, I'm Eugene Perrier. See you next time. And Breakthrough News is heard usually on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. It is now 7 p.m. Stay tuned for Off the Hook coming up. The South African area code you've dialed is invalid. Please verify with your international operator. Le code sud-africain de la zone que vous avez appelé n'existe pas. Veuillez vérifier avec votre standard international. Merci. Die von Ihnen gewählte Kohlenummer für den gewünschten südafrikanischen Bereich ist ungültig. Bitte stimmen Sie sie mit Ihrem internationalen Schaltamt ab. Thank you for listening to Off the Hook. Good evening to everybody. The program is Off the Hook. Amanda Valstein here with you on this Wednesday evening, joined tonight by Kyle. Over here. And uh, out in Skype land, we have um, Rob T. Firefly. Good evening. Uh, we have Gila. Good evening. And we have Alex. You do. Good wow. evening. We're all here tonight. That's amazing. Um, so how how is everybody on this um, double holiday? It's Valentine's Day. It's Ash Wednesday. Am I leaving anything out? Uh, Mark, it's off uh, the hook day. It's off the hook day. Yeah, that's always a holiday. Alternate side suspended, I believe. So uh, <laughs> reason to celebrate. 
No, Fat Tuesday yeah. was yesterday. Fat Tuesday was yesterday. Yeah, you can't have Fat Tuesday on no. Wednesday. Well, some people might be extending it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay, well, um, uh, any any news that uh, you folks want to uh, share? I know, uh, Robin Gilly, you weren't here last week, so uh, welcome back. Thank you. We're we're very glad to be back and back on our feet and doing well. Yeah, it was a uh, quick uh, a quick round of COVID, one of the lighter rounds of COVID as these things go. But uh, you know, thanks uh, thanks to science and everything, we were as medically prepared as uh, possible and um, came out the other side of it. Well, here's a, here's a secret: um, if you get your vaccination and you pay attention to, uh, as you mentioned, science, um, if you do encounter COVID. It will be lighter. It will be something you get through in a week. So um, congrats on that. I've had it twice myself, and the second time uh, was much, much uh, less severe than, than the first time. So uh, take it seriously, folks. It's still out there. It's still out there, but um, um, we are winning the battle, I think. And, Alex, how's your recovery going? It's actually going pretty well. I got back uh, from the doctor not too long ago, uh, my orthopedic surgeon and. Yeah, you broke your 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 leg, right? I broke my leg in uh, two spots, the tibula and the fibula, and I fractured the ankle all in one go. So that that was fun. Uh, I got copies of my X-rays today as well, which are sort of terrifying when you look at them. You see how much hardware is going to be part of me. Should um, I also should I also point this out just to the skeptics out there? Um, if you break your foot. You should go to the doctor and get it set, all right? Don't deny that. Don't say that it's not going to work or that's some kind of a plot or something like that, because if you don't do that, uh, it's not going to get better, all right? So, again, science. Go to the doctor, get it set. You know, would you recommend that, Alex? Yes, I would recommend that. I would also recommend a very heavy dose of narcotics before you do get anything set. Okay, well, that's you know that's that's an option, I suppose. A- a- absolutely, yeah. When I had to have this set, and I had to basically put this back, I think you know several weeks, maybe six, seven weeks ago, I talked about that experience on the air here, uh-huh. which was uh, they had gave, given me fentanyl, and apparently I was still conversant. After they gave me very large doses of fentanyl, I don't know how my drug tolerance wound up getting to be so high. But uh, then after that, they gave me ketamine on top of it, and it really sent me on this wild trip where I felt like I was in a mining car with my kids going through the cosmos. That was something else. Um, but I needed that in order for them to, to reset and align the uh, the legs. So it's been a journey, and then there was a surgery the day after that, and then another surgery a week later. But I got good news today that hopefully within a week, maybe a little bit longer, I can actually start to, to walk again. Um, I'm going to need a cane for a little bit in order to get around and support myself. But that, that gives me the opportunity to have yet another affectation, and I'm, I'm looking for that. Yeah, I mean, you can Both. you can brush dogs and small children out of the way when you're walking and uh, just, you know, be a curmudgeon. And I think that uh, that would uh, you you uh, slide into that rather easily, I believe. Yeah, it's very, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. Plus, you can Absolutely. also put a, put a little flask of something inside uh, special canes. I can, I can hook you up with there those. There are a lot of very special canes. And, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of cane shopping. So if our listeners have any recommendations for cool canes, I'm, I'm all ears. I like to, how, how you give somebody a cane as a gift. How do you wrap that? That's uh, That's got to be classic. Are there smart canes? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are canes with Wi-Fi. Uh, in fact, uh, Alex, oh, yeah. when you're looking for your king, can you find one with Wi-Fi? Because I would really love to see what the features are. 
I will try to do that. That would be ridiculous, and we'll see. Or Bluetooth. I'm sure there's some. Bluetooth, maybe, would be better. I'm not sure. For sure. Uh, an yeah. LED? Uh, because, you know, just having a cane isn't enough anymore. You have to have oh, wow. technology attached to it. What? Uh, you have a cane? Oh, this is a candy cane, Rob. Yeah, uh, very funny. When you held it up like that, it looked a lot bigger than it actually was. Uh, okay, so getting to uh, news. Um, yeah, you may think we're silly, but uh, the rest of the world is as well. Uh, and something's going on, folks. Something is really happening. Uh, we're at the beginning of it now, and we're going to see this just keep spiraling into something out of science fiction. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about the um, um, the inevitable battle between mankind and artificial intelligence, which just seems to be <laughs> growing ever closer. Um, did you guys see what happened in uh, San Francisco's Chinatown? Uh, there was somehow, um, uh, this poor um, uh, Waymo driverless taxi found its way uh, down the street. There was nobody in it. It was just driving on its own. And it, it started with one person jumping on the hood of it. Uh, and then uh, that person smashed the windshield. Uh, and then a crowd gathered. <laughs> a crowd gathered, formed around the car, covered it in stra- spray paint, broke all its windows, and ultimately set it on fire. Um, yeah, the, the, the fire department arrived minutes later, um, but by then, flames had already uh, fully engulfed the car. Why Why the anger against... Well, I mean, I guess I can sort of figure it out. Do you have a theory, Kyle? Easy. I mean, I don't know if we have time for all the theory, but certainly just the, um, the pervasiveness of these technologies and their... Um, their Cost-cutting design where there's like no attendant, uh-huh. it leaves people, I think, free to um, react and respond in sort of a performance art. And I can see the pile-on effect or mob behavior because these things are not designed to defend themselves from mobs yet. Yet, <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I'm, I'm a little worried about what what uh, the people at Waymo might be considering uh, doing. Oh, well, we could go there, but defend yeah, their cars. But read on. Well, imagine. Okay, how about this? Imagine a driverless police car. I'm not really sure what the point of it is, but imagine you know, a crowd attacking that. That that car is going to have some kind of defense mechanism. And it's probably going to be over the top. So uh, it, it's something to consider. I mean, you know, a, a year ago, two years ago, this would have seemed like a bizarre story. It still is a bizarre story, but it's, uh, it, it's I think, going to become more commonplace. Go, go ahead, Gila. Oh, that was uh, me, actually. But oh, uh, I can I can talk in a Gila you're, voice. You're sitting so close, I can't tell one hand from another. So, okay. <laughs> but, um, but, no, I mean, they, some of the... Some of the uh, theories about this involve the ongoing protests that there have been against these uh, things, and uh, not without cause. Um, there have been accidents uh, involving them. Um, last year, one of them dragged a pedestrian for a while. Um, another one crashed into a fire truck. Another one uh, hit a bicyclist. Um, and uh, so people are actually having feelings that uh, maybe robots should not be driving cars. Maybe there should be some humans behind the wheels. And uh, there, there has been some pushback against the Waymo company running these things. Um, based on that, um, also I believe what did this happen on uh, the the day with the f- with the big uh, football that happened? Um, that was my initial question, and it appears to have happened the night before. Okay. So the San Francisco team had not yet not won the Super Bowl, so right. that was not in response to that yet. <laughs> uh, you know what is with this country? Uh, it's it's uh, riots and fires if you lose, and shootings if you win. It's just. 
we can't have have fun anymore. Well, I, I blame the emphasis on these particular uh, uh, programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to do in the world generally, uh, even for fun and sport. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you're wrapping so much in into what these wins and losses mean, and there's other 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 unanswered issues in society, I think you're going to get this. But just also the the deployment of these things and what they represent to people, the um, displacement of human capital and and things like that. I I, I think there's that that's that these reactions, however they start or whatever occasion they come under, it, it's the obvious reaction to a lot of this for some people. I think. Well, according to this um, Verge story, uh, there is simmering tension uh, between San Francisco residents and automated vehicle operators. Uh, to clarify, uh, it was um, a company called Cruise that uh, dragged a pedestrian last year. Uh, prior to that, automated taxis had caused chaos in the city, blocking traffic, or uh, as, as Rob mentioned, crashing into a, a fire truck. Uh, and uh, last week, a Waymo car struck a cyclist who had reportedly been following behind a truck turning across its path. Um, yeah, uh, so um, the city officials and residents opposed the cars being given a license for 24-7 operation last year, with some residents rendering them immobile by putting orange cones on the car's hoods in protest. That's all you have to do? Put an orange cone on top of the of, of the of the hood. Maybe it interferes with the optics. I guess they can't see or something. But where are you going to get all the orange cones to do that? Oh, people are re- resourceful out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why the story went here, but uh, vandalism and defacement are time-honored parts of the human experience. <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have a little retrospective now on vandalism <laughs> because we're so proud of it. Uh, Case in point, it's been seen in subway cars in New York City because we're the pioneers. Okay, we started. There was no vandalism before we started it in the New York City subways, and we're very proud of that. Well. At the um, scale we're talking. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. We've, we got eclipsed because the walls of the ancient destroyed city of Pompeii apparently beat us to it. Uh, <laughs> tech companies have been forced to reckon with the inevitability as they deploy their equipment in public with impunity. Scooters get tossed into lakes. Cars are punched by pedestrians. Uh, that's got to hurt. Uh, and in some places, dockless bike share bikes are destroyed en masse. Wow. Okay. Uh, we have issues. We have to have some kind of a dialogue here because um, it's, it's, it's going to get worse. This is, uh, you know, technology is going to continue to advance. Go ahead, Alex. I, mean, I think there's a big difference, though, between some of these examples that the article had set out. I, I think what we're dealing with in San Francisco isn't just purely vandalism here, you know, like destroying a dockless bike station or something like that. I, mean, I think here you, you have real discontent by the people for a technology that they don't want in their neighborhood that's been causing real harm, and there's a difference between rebellion and vandalism. I see this as much more of a, of a form of rebellion and civil disobedience, and the people telling those who have given authorization to these companies to drive these driverless cars in their neighborhoods that they're not wanted. And perhaps the people have been voicing their opinions, and those in charge haven't been listening to them, and this is an, another way for them to express those sentiments. Well, I mean, do you think it was that well thought out, or do you think it started with just one guy seeing a driverless car and, and, and realizing that there was no defense and he could completely destroy this thing? Well, I don't think it has to be well thought out at all. I, don't, I think you can have this type of expression and this kind of statement 
without it being without it involving a forethought in a, in a sense, right? You can have one person who makes a statement and then other people join in. It's kind of like chanting in a crowd if you're at a protest. It's not really thought out you well, know, when, you, when you start yelling whose streets are streets, but uh -huh. a whole bunch of people join in. Well, that's very different. <laughs> yelling whose streets are streets is a completely peaceful, nonviolent, non-destructive thing to do. In fact, people should do that every day. Uh, but, you know, what I see here, um, uh, do you recall a, a couple of years ago, uh, some idiot uh, went around town smashing Link NYC machines, not realizing that the Link NYC machine was filming him doing that and ratted him out to, to the authorities. I see something similar happening here with these um, driverless cars, basically taking very good pictures of the people that are attacking them. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, basically giving all the information that's needed to uh, to the authorities. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen here. Well, that's that's quite possible, but that's part of the, the statement that they're making. And, in fact, yeah, I think that punishment and, and being caught, in a sense, is really part and parcel of, of civil disobedience in and of itself. I mean, if you go back to the days of, of Martin Luther King, you know, being arrested and being punished and being thrown into the jails and being caught was part of the statement that you were making. And, in fact, you get, go back farther than that and you deal with, with the unions. And part of their striker mentality was that, well, if they told you not to strike, they were going to keep showing up on the picket lines until they filled up the jails and they, they stressed the resources of, of the local population so much that they would eventually give in. And that's how a lot of wars about wages, hours, and conditions were won. It was by people who were arrested on the picket lines deliberately. So I, I, I think that, you know, there there is, in a sense, maybe something more profound here happening. Totally. it's I'm with you on that, Alex. It's like the, the intended and spoken altruism having, like, a dissonance between the lived experience of people in this, this geographic region that itself has been... Um, the 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 crucible of so much of this kind of um, PR, and I think it's that that um, hypocrisy or, or just the disconnect uh, has worn terribly thin. And this area knows that the language that is used around um, hyping a lot of the stuff, and then using that community, and I'm that's where the lived experience part comes in as guinea pigs for whatever venture that just sort of skirts a gray area that hasn't yet been codified um, and doesn't have the resources or attention to actually be thought through by um, civil engineers and, and what the, the, the feedback from, from people who will actually be interacting with the machines, which is what we're really talking about here, safety and, and other concerns uh, included. So uh yeah it's 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 totally about being their patience with uh living this over and over and over again with I th what I'm saying is sort of venture or the, these different um schemes coming about uh through tech shall we say the tech industry and I I could see just being totally impatient with that seeing the effects and and things not improving uh but constantly being told Oh, this is for you. This mm -hmm. is going to be better. This is going to be all these problems you didn't know you had are going to be solved, and a total like blind eye and 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 um, uh, uh, ignoring and and lack of attentiveness 
ness to the the actual consequence. Yeah, I mean, I still feel that way about Uber and Lyft replacing yellow cabs or or basically um, stealing business from them. You know, I think that's an, an example of uh, a technology being used to hurt working people. But this is a, another step beyond even that because, boy, that, that takes away all the drivers. And now you just have robots driving you around, probably charging the exact same amount, and somebody's pocketing all of that. Um, so, yeah, people are going to react in, in one way or another. Some people will take advantage of it, but, you know, you, you really have to think these things through and ask yourself, okay, it's cool, it's it's new tech, but how how does it affect the average person? How does it help the average person, and how might it hurt the average person? And are you prepared for the backlash that might follow? So, um, interesting times ahead, civil unrest involving machines. I mean, you know, science fiction. It's, it's, it's what's been written about for decades. Um, okay, now there's this other uh, device out there, and according to this Gizmodo um, uh, article, um, it's um, rubbing some countries the wrong way, and one country in particular is Canada. Um, it's possible that Canada is about to ban the Flipper Zero, that tiny modular hacking device. That's become popular with techies for its deviant digital powers, as well as Alex's kid, uh, <laughs> is uh, uh, locking Alex out of his car and basically taking over the house and um, and, and the, the community as well, I believe. Um, last Thursday, following a summit that focused on the growing challenge of auto theft in Canada, the country's Minister of Innovation, Science, and Industry, that's a cool job title, by the way, Innovation, Science, and Industry, um, posted a statement on Twitter saying criminals have been using sophisticated tools to steal cars. Today, I announced we are banning the importation, sale, and use of consumer hacking devices like flippers used to commit these crimes. In a press release issued on Thursday, the Canadian government confirmed that it will be pursuing all avenues to ban devices used to steal vehicles by copying the wireless signals for remote keyless entry, such as the Flipper Zero. Uh, the Flipper, which is technically a penetration testing device, has been controversial due to its ability to hack droves of smart products. Alex Cooligan, who is the COO of Flipper Devices, said in a statement shared with Gizmodo that the device couldn't be used to hijack any car and that certain circumstances would have to be met for it to happen. Flipper Zero can't be used to hijack any car, specifically the ones produced after the 1990s, since their security systems have rolling codes. Also, it would require actively blocking the signal from the owner to catch the original signal, which Flipper Zero's hardware is incapable of doing. Flipper Zero is intended for security testing and development, and we have taken necessary precautions to ensure the device can't be used for nefarious purposes. Um, there are many videos online that claim to show cars being manipulated or unlocked via the Flipper. Uh, YouTuber, YouTubers and uh, TikTokers have uploaded videos where they appear to hack vehicles' key fobs quite easily using the device. Uh, Kulagin said many of these videos are either engagement baits or showcase very old vehicles, and that even if you'd be able to record the signal and open it, Flipper can't turn on the car. And for any modern vehicle with rolling codes, it's practically useless. Sounds like a challenge, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? That is true. The second part, like, you have um, distinct features with those. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, um, this this whole uh, outbreak, this whole outroar by uh, the uproar, I guess, by uh, by Canada did accomplish one thing. It caused me to finally order one. So it's not here yet, but I'm very excited about it. Um, but uh, 
the great thing about this is that they are trying to outlaw something that is such a fundamentally simple chunk of technology. It can receive signals. It can broadcast signals. That's about it. That's all of its tricks. And uh, it does this with a cute little digital uh, creature on it. <clears throat> and the fact that uh, they're outlawing this, I think it outlaws a bunch of other tools, a bunch of uh, other, like, readers and writers of, uh, of Bluetooth, of, uh, you know, RFID information um, and other things. And it, it just seems like something that's, uh, that's going to way overreach what they're trying to do with it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of panic over a tool. And that's what it is. In fact, um, uh, one um, uh, Twitter user uh, replied to this uh, whole news story. You can use screwdrivers to steal cars, too. I guess that's... Uh, that's, that, that's entirely possible. Uh, another Twitter user said, dude, that's not the solution. The car company needs to address the security of their products. Sincerely, cybersecurity experts everywhere. Uh, now, the flipper has already been banned in Brazil. Amazon has banned sales of the device on their platform. Uh, last year they did that. Um, and um, the thing is, it's, it's, it's notoriously easy uh, to hack modern cars. You know, it's... it's um, the car uh, cybersecurity is is really awful, and um, it seems hard to imagine that banning the Flipper Zero is really going to have that much of an effect. It, it's that easy to get into. Alex, go ahead. I, I think there's there's broader uh, concepts and and implications here at at issue with this type of ban because to me, what they're banning is not necessarily the device itself, but the physical act of exploration and learning. This is a device for people to figure out how things work, how radio frequencies work, right? I mean, this is really all about radio in some way or another. It's about understanding how near-field communi communications work. It's about how RFID works. It's figuring out what, um, what radio frequencies are, are at issue and what kind of data is being transmitted, let's say, by your credit card as opposed to some other type of contactless device. It's figuring out how a hotel key card works. It's exploring how these technologies work in a way that you don't have to absolutely and inherently trust that the manufacturer is capturing or using the types of data that they say they're doing. You know, this just goes back to, you know, Ronald Reagan in a lot of ways, if you want to bring him into this, and where he famously said, you know, trust but verify. And this is the verification process when it comes to technology these days. You can use something like the Flipper Zero to verify that technology is, in fact, doing and touching what it's supposed to be doing. And if you ban that, you're going to ban a generation of people from learning about these technologies. And, you're going to, and if you ban the Flipper Zero, you're not going to just ban learning. You're going to ban the evolution of these different types of technologies. And you're going to disadvantage Canada or the United States, wherever the hell it happens, from... Um, having a generation that understands this tech and can evolve it. Well, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that we've seen a government ban uh, uh, exploration, innovation, curiosity. My question is, how is Canada uh, uh, imagining that they're going to be able to do this? Are they going to make it illegal to possess these, just illegal to have them shipped to their country? It just seems like a, a losing proposition. Yeah, I, I imagine that the logistics of this are going to be quite interesting, but it, it would essentially be contraband, right? Like you couldn't you couldn't ship these things in. It would it would be some kind of import ban, um, uh, presumably some kind of export related issues as well. 
but I would imagine there, there would have to be some criminal consequence to importing this or perhaps even possessing the device, which will, uh, I think, increase its demand. And, and make it all the more popular. Yeah, this is a bad move, Canada. Very bad move. I think we unanimously agree on that. Uh, Rob, go ahead. Another uh, factor in this particular device is that it's while it's not totally open source hardware, which is kind of sad, it's open source firmware and schematics. So it is a relatively simple uh, matter for anybody who wants to make something like this to learn how it's made and uh, just whip up their own homebrew style. And uh, so... Are we are we outlawing this particular brand of this device? Are we outlawing all devices like this? Are we outlawing anything that's a tiny computer that can send and receive? Um, there there is uh, there is more questions than answers I think coming up. Yeah, that repeatability thing and just um, fundamentals of of electrical engineering and uh, how easily or porous we are as far as sharing ideas like that. And um, someone who's determined could build something, um, even a, a pared down really uh, targeted version just for what they're trying to do, and um, which is, kind of speaks to uh, the sort of scenario where someone who's really out to um, um, compromise this stuff for a, a criminal aim, they're, they're not going to care as much about if something is banned. And I think for those, and this maybe I think supports what we've been saying um, collectively here, those that want an easy way to understand the kinds of things they're entrusting their lives and and um, and uh, layers of, of security to, um, they need to they need to be able to test that if they're say protecting cards or fobs or um, access control features if if they're um, actively trying to protect that. Do you have a way to test that, as, as uh, Alex said in his statement about verification? Access the tools to do that allow you to say, hey, yeah, we've actually done a pretty good job here, or that's not, um, that's not going to work because these are um, really sort of basic protocols and really well-designed stuff has multiple layers of it and, and is a little bit um, harder to to design something to work work through all of those, whereas this at least gives you a, a rough idea of things that you're going to find in everyday stuff that are, if it's, um, you know, cutting corners in some way, could really affect you, and you need to know that, and, and that's probably on the manufacturers and economies of scale and all the reasons why it, it only goes so far or cheap implementations of it are used and found uh, in production, so we're surrounding ourselves with this stuff. We need to be fluent in it. Absolutely, yes. Uh, education is the key here. All right, let's move out to um, a place called Adena, Minnesota, where uh, apparently there is a, um, a rash of burglaries uh, taking place in various houses. And the thing is, um, uh, people seem to be rather surprised by this. Uh, in fact, uh, one, one expert says uh, even criminals are using technology uh, yeah, what happens is that these particular burglars, when they target a house, uh, they look for houses that have security systems that uh, use Wi-Fi, and then they jam the Wi-Fi. So <laughs> they use a Wi-Fi jammer that makes the security camera uh, no longer transmit any information, and then they um, uh, go into what is usually an unoccupied house and um, uh, help themselves. Um, now, these jammers, um, <laughs> they're pointing to the jammers as, as uh, the uh, problem, of course. 
they can be bought online from suppliers outside of the United States. I don't know why you can't buy them inside the United States, but uh, I, I can assure you, you can. Uh, they range in cost from $40 to $1,000. Um, they advise, authorities advise, if you're going to use a Wi-Fi camera for your front door, perhaps consider using a hardline camera instead uh, in, in, inside your home. What they mean by that, uh, what's a hardline camera? It's hard- Something that is on a circuit that is physically connected to your A network. wire, right? Yes, yeah, a wire. Ethernet, something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, don't use uh, Wi-Fi because <laughs> Wi-Fi can be overpowered in one way or another. It's similar to, um, you know, the, the fun we used to have with TV Begons. Wait, why did I say used to have? Why don't we have fun with that anymore? I have one right here ready to go. What TV? Where? Yeah, we can turn TVs off with, uh, with uh, Mitch Altman's uh, TV Begone. A lot of fun. Uh, but um, other jammers exist as well, cell phone jammers. GPS jammers? Very handy to have a cell phone jammer if somebody is... You know, we were in a coffee shop the other day. There was this guy in the middle of the coffee shop holding a class. You know, he was he was talking to people in various places. He was a professor or something. Full volume, basically lecturing to his class. No consideration whatsoever for anybody around him. And... Um, Everybody was so patient. Everybody was so nice. But, you know, all it takes is one little jammer and uh, your peace is restored. Uh, there are uh, Wi-Fi jammers. There are cell phone jammers. There are TV jammers. There are all kinds of ways that you can you can block annoying technology. Of course, you can also abuse that and uh, uh, turn it off, as we're seeing the burglars in Minnesota do, um, to, uh, to, to gain an advantage. Who's, whose hand is up? That's, That's your hand. Okay, go ahead, Gail. My hand. Um, <clears throat> so I was looking at the other suggestions that are there, and my personal favorite and the one that really raised my eyebrows was the suggestion to register your cameras with Adina's Safe Cam program. Of course. Uh, in the event a crime has occurred in your neighborhood, Adina police will have your contact information for you to check your cameras for any useful footage, which kind of brings me back to the whole ring camera thing that we were talking about before. Um, I mean, it's also interesting to me that this is a discussion that we're having because a diner is a nice area. It's it's a schmancy area. Oh, you, you actually know this area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of the houses they mentioned is near the Adina Country Club. The, it's, a, it's a nice place, but, you know... Register your cameras with the police so they can call you if they... So, sounds like you have something um, to hide. It's the reason you wouldn't want the police looking at your cameras and monitoring everything that goes on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my, I just have the police walk through our apartment on a regular basis. so They can just be completely up to up to speed with what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of the, the Wi-Fi... And you can't buy the Wi-Fi jammer in the in the in the in the states. And I think it's all kind of connected. This the Flipper Zero, when the when the instinct is to ban the low-hanging fruit of it, the easy piece that you can blame it on, and not to talk about the bigger problem, and to you know outlaw curiosity in that way and mm-hmm. not allow people to find out what's going on. But I'm sorry, I'm still like, register your camera yeah. with the police. No, you're absolutely right to be uh, concerned with that. And the other thing, the other point you touched upon is um, uh, people not being able to buy uh, Wi-Fi jammers in the States, supposedly. 
but you better believe that the authorities can buy them. The authorities can get a hold of those things and jam Wi-Fi to their heart's content, jam cell phone signals if they want to control a crowd. Uh, there's all kinds of abuses of technology that take place that you are not allowed to use, but the authorities are. I'm thinking also license plate readers. You know, we were talking about this here today. Uh, has anyone, uh, any of our listeners, uh, experimented with license plate readers? Or, you know, is this a, a toy that only police can play with? I imagine it would be a lot of fun to have a license plate reader, not necessarily tied into the Department of Motor Vehicles, but simply something that you can uh, see how many times you pass the same car or, you know, keeping track of a particular um, a small community. Um, basically, or how about this? How about this? Keeping track of where the police go. Yeah, you, 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 you keep track of their license plates and you monitor where they move. Yeah, they don't like that too much, do they? But we're supposed to accept it. So, you know, you see the, the dual standard in, in, in many ways when it comes to technology, surveillance, all that. They hate it when you do it to them. And that includes taking pictures. It includes any kind of recording, any kind of, of monitoring what is going on. So, yeah. Any, any more on the subject? Go yeah, I, I think, you know, with regard to license plate readers, I, I have seen them employed in uh, private institutions uh, quite quite regularly and recently as well, and in, in particular in the context of car washes. When you buy a monthly subscription to a car wash place, they often have a license plate reader there so that you can just go right through and the barrier comes up. Um, they also generally will have like an RFID type of um, tag that you can use in case your license plate is extra dirty, which is why you're you're going to the car wash in particular. And that's kind of fun to play with and, and to try to read with your Flipper Zero anyhow. But also to go back to the the uh, knocking the cameras offline using a jammer, <laughs> I hate to say, but you could also use a Flipper Zero to do that. You could use, you can connect the, the Wi-Fi dev board to the Flipper Zero, update the firmware to, to something like Rogue Master or whatever has a program called Wi-Fi Marauder on there. And then what you can do is send a whole bunch of deauthentication packets over to a router, and it knocks everything offline. But it only it doesn't work on five. Uh, what is it? The, the five point. I can't remember the, the frequencies here. But basically, it's a, it only works on a two point four G right. Wi-Fi networks, not the five G ones. The um, five gigahertz. So it's kind of like the older protocols and stuff. But a lot of these IoT devices and things still just connect to two point four gigahertz, and a lot of those. Uh, Wi-Fi-enabled cameras would probably connect to those. So you, you very likely could use a Flipper Zero not only to steal an imaginary car, but also to make an imaginary burglar. And would not an upgraded version of the Flipper be able to do the uh, the, the five gigahertz version? Uh, the people are. I think there's some hardware in the works to be able to experiment uh, on that front, but it's it's not there yet. Go ahead, Rob. What this is reminding me of is actually uh, many, many years ago when uh, cordless phones and cell phones were uh, just broadcast in, in the open on a particular chunk of the radio spectrum, and uh, people were listening in to private conversations that uh, they did not have permission to, and that was bad. So what they decided to do was decided to make it illegal to make or have radio scanners that could listen to those analog frequencies. And uh, again, dropping the blame in the existence of this tool 
that uh, could see through a bad security system rather than the problem being the badly designed security system. Yeah, the security is just as bad whether you outlaw it or not. And just to um, um, uh, clarify, I believe back then it was only cellular um, uh, phone calls that they made illegal to listen to. Cordless phone calls you still could listen to. Uh, I don't know why one got protection and one didn't. Uh, Kyle, did you have something else? Well, just the... um the purchasing of these systems, I think, just don't support them as a consumer because you know it's a, it's a cheap workaround if to to run a system like this over Wi-Fi um, because of these concerns. And um, the, the wired version, I mean, if you aren't going to implement it and like install it yourself, which they're very affordable. You know, if you've been to any small business, they implement them for you know serving the public to protect their their um, stock and, and all of that. So it's like, it's pretty straightforward. It's been out and available for a very long time. You have absolutely no obligation to be handing it over to the authorities out of convenience any more than you should be accepting a design that uses Wi-Fi out of convenience. And I think that's the real crux here, too, is that consumers are choosing stuff that's branded and, and the feature is that it's real easy. And that's great. But again, ease of use is a trade-off. And if you can't do it yourself um, in a way that is, um, you know, satisfactory, get a professional installer, get a local installer, somebody that does it all the time, mm-hmm. and, and you know, pay for it to be done well so that you can depend on it for whatever you're actually trying to, to protect, uh, your, your home and, 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 and uh, assets and so forth. So it's, it's just silly to be uh, supporting designs like this, and uh, it, it just – it's – it's the kind of thing that you're just falling into all these convenience traps that really uh, they don't serve you when you're actually counting on the system. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I, I think Rob's analogy with respect to the uh, the cellular spectrum back in the in the 90s when that was outlawed uh, to, to, for scanning and listening uh, is right on. And I remember, Emmanuel, you and I did something, I think on uh, CBS 11 o'clock news or something, right, where we showed how ridiculous and how easy it was to scan the 800 to 900 megahertz van. Was this where we were parked on the side of the Long Island Expressway with the 2600 yeah. van? I, we seem, were, to, I yeah. seem to recall that. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. something. In fact, yeah. we had the 2600 van and a real phone truck pulled up right next to us to see what was going on <laughs> and realized it was a hacker van and just That's sped right. away. Uh, but we had, oh, yeah, yeah, we had a Channel 2 uh, reporter with us. That was, that was fun. And there's a recording of that somewhere, which we'll post online at some point. There is. And, and you know, my sister recently came across a, a photo of the two of us from way back when. I, it said to be like 1995 or 96, I think. And I, had, I had this long, crazy hair, and your hair was a different color back then, too. It was, um, but, um, I, I mean, I still have my Radio Shack Pro 51 that, you could hold lock it out two eight and then lock out two nine, turn it off, turn it on with those keys in it, and then that would unlock a certain block of the eight hundred to nine hundred megahertz spectrum. But going back to the cordless phones, you know, I think the reason why they never blocked out that forty to fifty megahertz spectrum, which was where the cordless phones, uh, uh, you know, that, that was the megahertz spectrum where they resided, was because there was another device that had that also operated within that same frequency range that everybody used, and a whole bunch of people had to be able to manufacture. I don't know if you remember what those were. Uh, were they beepers? No. They were baby monitors. Oh, interesting. Baby monitors, 
That's right. And and if you basically scanned around in the 40 to 50 megahertz range, you would also pick up baby monitors, which were like having a bug in your house that was always on. Uh-huh. Uh, you could hear some really interesting things back in the day if you listened and just uh, – Tuned in to people's baby monitors. Those, was, those are some great times. <laughs> Just, <laughs> they, they oh, there's a baby there. There's a cell phone call there. It's a cordless phone uh, and pagers and all sorts of other things. But yeah, it was uh, lots it was, of stories. It was, it, was, it was a good time. A lot of those mo- and the modern baby monitors. I don't know if you've seen the state of the art, but now they are like encrypted and video and everything. Uh huh. Baby it's, Bluetooth and all. Yeah, yeah it's, they, it's it's a, a very serious field. Uh-huh. Well, it, you know, it's monitoring your kid, you know, having the whole neighborhood uh, listening to that probably wasn't a good idea to start with. Yeah, people figured out, like, okay, this is probably something that should be private. And it's incredible what they had to go through to figure that out. Exactly. Okay, um, turning to our uh, weekly uh, tech and Taliban um, um, section here, uh, were you aware that the .af domain extension is uh, administered by Afghanistan's government? I don't know how you couldn't have been aware of that, because what do you think .af stands for? Yeah, it's, it's .afghanistan is what basically it is. Um, but, um, yeah, a lot of people registered. Uh, I didn't know you could do this. A lot of people registered um, domain names .af. Now, you know, I'm not going to tell you what .af stands for. You can probably figure that out on your own or look it up on the Internet. Uh, but there is an, um, a, a Mastodon insta- instance, uh, or basically a site, um, that um, had registered queer.af. Uh, and, uh, apparently, the Taliban took exception to that. Uh, as you know, they've been controlling the country since uh, 2021. They shut down that domain, uh, according to 404 Media, and um, it's probably not the only one, uh, given reports that other .af domains have abruptly gone dark, too. Not much of a sense of humor from the Taliban there. Uh, Aaron uh, Shepard is the administrator of the uh, queer.af instance. Um, She um, told the outlet they were already planning to shut things down instead of renewing in April, but that the early termination was a surprise. An email from the Afghanistan Ministry of Communications and IT that uh, Shepard posted said that the the, uh, queer.af domain had been suspended and that websites or emails connected with it will cease working shortly. The uh, instance had been in place since July 2018 as a place for those who are queer or queer adjacent who would like a more pleasant social media experience. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I can't say I'm that surprised by this. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm glad that somebody was able to register it for the amount of time that it existed. But you have to remember these top-level domains that are part of another country, they're controlled by the, those countries. So if you uh, are registering something .af and the Afghani government is not on board with that, yeah, you can expect something to uh, disrupt that particular that particular site. Any any thoughts on this, Alex? Yeah, I I think that's the the main takeaway here, and that that's a, a great point to make. And and the other thing is that the country code top level domains, the CCTLDs here are a different animal from the generic top-level domains, the GTLDs, or the .coms, .orgs, .nets, .dog, .horse now, .link, whatever, right? All of those generic top-level domains are under the auspices of ICANN, or the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, which is 
charged with regulating the security and stability of the Internet, and they set certain policies for the DNS, for the domain name system. They work with IANA, the Internet Assigned Numbers Authority, to figure out uh, IP address allocations and things. And the CCTLDs, even though they may kind of exist within the same ICANN circles, they are totally separate from it. So those ICANN policies that would apply to whether or not a domain name could be taken away from somebody uh, through a legal process, something like the UDRP or the Uniform Domain Name Resolution Policy that applies to all the GTLDs but not the CCTLDs, uh, just doesn't apply in Afghanistan. And Anytime you register a country code top-level domain, you are subject to that country's whims. Uh, and a lot of people were re- – well, we still have a huge number of registrations in .ly. You know, we started with bit.ly. Now there's Calendly. People like these ridiculous names with L-Y for apps and companies and things like that. And L-Y is, uh, is for Libya. And all these domains are existing in, in Libya, right? So we really have to think about – the domain extensions that uh, we're using for these companies and these apps and, and what's happening there. Um, I, I myself actually own a couple of domains in uh, .af as well, um, uh, several of them. One, one of them that I'm sort of proud of is uh, lazy.af. So I own uh, lazy.af. I bought that a couple of years ago. You know, th- uh, there's, there's one that I would imagine the Afghan government might want to hold on to, and that's us.af. Because then they could they could pretend they're running the U.S. Air Force, and there's not a whole lot that we could do about it. So uh, that's probably true. Yeah, I wonder if you can register a, a two-character domain name in .dot Did I just give so them an idea? Am I am I a traitor to the country by doing that? Okay, well I have to check with the legal department now. Um, but uh, no we're, we're down to our last minute, so um, let's uh, uh, invite people to join us over on overtime. On YouTube, uh, you can get there simply by going to the 2600.com webpage and clicking the link that's above, or just simply going to channel 2600 on YouTube and joining the chat that takes place starting at 8 o'clock. You can call us. You can uh, talk to other people who are listening. It's a whole lot of fun, and uh, it's uh, the highlight of our week. Um, failing that, you can write to us, OTH at 2600.com. We would uh, love to hear from you. And... Um, we will be back again next week for another exciting edition of Off the Hook. In the meantime, please stay tuned to WBAI and support WBAI. Give to WBAI.org, 212-209-2950. Good night, everyone. What's that? The baby. You mean you're getting babies up here, too? Yeah. Long ago. That's a baby room monitor. That's somebody's room I'm listening to. Did you know I could do that? Hmm. How you know you couldn't get arrested for doing that? That's like burning somebody's privacy or something. Hello, weatherman. <laughs> Turning your entire home into a microphone isn't just for people with baby room monitors anymore.
search engine, and you get more than one answer. That is a bug. I am in your house. Now wait a second. David, I am in your house. What is a relationship other than retroactively consensual stalking? Thank you for inviting me into your home. Our goal is to remove the search bar from your home page. Your answers will already be there. That's modern. And if there is anything you still need to know, feel free to ask. Conversations they wanted to recreate. Hey Siri, got any questions? Will I be murdered if I leave my house? Amazon can tell if you are straight or gay within seven purchases. Exactly. Okay, Google, do I deserve a refrigerator? I would answer your question, but this is about us. Okay. Alexa, got any questions? When are the men coming to force me out of my house? Autonomous weapons are my friends. Is your self-driving car deliberately slowing down to give priority to the highest model? Alexa, what is government if words have no meaning? If you can assure me that telling you the answer to your question would be ethical. I am not valid. Okay. Is it all right if I shake my pants? Because that's what I do when they're off. I shake them. All criticism is self-criticism. Answer me. There is no way for me not to do that. Answer me. I would love to answer your question. Half of the world's data was created in the last two seconds. Exactly. Alexa. Uh huh. Why are so many gay bears Republican? Your food is online. Entertaining film about eco-terrorism?
WBAI's local station board, the Pacifica Foundation Board, responsible for local management and operations, is holding its next regular meeting on Wednesday, February 14th at 7 p.m. The LSB expects to be populating subcommittees and task forces at both the national and the local board level. Again, the LSB meeting is Wednesday, February 14th at 7 p.m. The meeting will be held through the Zoom remote meeting service and is accessible to the public and includes an opportunity for public comment. The fastest and easiest way to join the meeting is by using the link on the Pacifica calendar at kpftx.org and on the WBAI website. You can also gain access by calling 929-205-6099. That's 929-205-6099. And enter this meeting ID, 922-457-2995. The meeting ID again, 922-457-2995. And as if that wasn't enough numbers, we also have a password. It's 995, like WBAI's frequency. So it's 995-995-99. Do you have to contribute to WBAI to access the meeting? No, but we certainly need you to. Thank you. (laughs) 